and what we can do about it. Your questions and comments are a vital part of the proceedings. That's the Talkies, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, 11 a.m. to noon on KPFA. And you are listening to 94.1 KPFA and 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, 97.5 K248BR in Santa Cruz and online at kpfa.org. The time is 3 p.m. Stay tuned next for Stone's Throw with Jennifer Stone. Happy ending, nice and tidy, it's a rule I learned in school, get your money every Friday. is Jennifer Stone with a reading from my memoir, Telegraph Avenue, then first published oh, long ago in 1977. Summer 1967. We talk all night. He is melted gold in bed. I'd give anything to keep him because He allows me to be me. I may even say he encourages it, which is risky. He also has what seems to be an informed sense of humor. And we laugh so much, I I seem to be getting healthy again. But damn it, sooner or later he drinks to stupor. One night he sat on the edge of my bed and set his head air on fire with his cigarette. I watched my family die of booze and fall apart like that. It terrifies me, so I threw him out. But now, sometimes remembering, I wish I'd kept him anyway and buried him in the backyard when he died and poured libations of bourbon on his grave. September 1967. I bought this honest-to-God topless bra at the most esoteric lingerie shop in Berkeley. The European woman who owns the shop, (gasps) she smiles. Come back and see us when you need a good brassiere, my dear. She rolls her R. When I try on the topless bra, she assures me it is the last one in stock this season. I buy it because it gives my breasts a terrific hoist. 
I look in the mirror and imagine I am the Empress Josephine with my breasts shoved up under my chin. Black, lace-covered, sharp bones fit, frame my flesh, lift it. The first time I wear it, I get black and blue marks. <laughs> Poor Josephine. Oh, Napoleon said one time or another that women have no rank, their place in life, their socioeconomic score depends upon the males with whom they find favor. Well, one can find a good master or a wise master or a louse, but it's still a slave system any way you call it. A rich master may be kind and generous, but you have to stay home pour drinks for his friends. I mean, you have to. Well, the women's movement is seeping into my psychosexual adjustment. What can I do with an unused, topless bra? I am what I throw away. Autumn 1967, I read my old college diary. Where were you in 52? <laughs> in the wooded womb of a West Coast woman's college, I was staring at the rain. Long nights, those eucalyptus trees beat at my window until a window pane broke. And the rain blew across my room. I was from Southern California. This was uh, ultimate for me, the ultimate limit, the furthest north you can go. It was a scene from Wuthering Heights. I imagined the storm beating at the heart. It's called the pathetic fallacy. Nature sympathizing with human moods echoes the ache of souls in torment. Whatever. It was because I was 18 and in love. I was in love with a jaded Jewish student of the high-strung, bitter sort. I talked to my old teacher, one of the Cassandra sort, and she said, Well, my dear, you must study the romantics. Romantics tend to act out their passions as well as to write about them. It's tradition. You will find that a stoic lifestyle is wiser. But it takes time. Some of the English romantics were stoic, she said, but it made them sick. You, she told me, are a hell-bent romantic. And 
You just may burn out and never grow old enough to become much more than a cynic. Romantics die young or get killed fighting in Greece. Once they mostly died of tuberculosis, but since antibiotics, there is only neurosis and cigarettes to substitute for TB. Yes, she said, you'll find out. If you need one, there's always a revolution going on somewhere. Always a front for liberation, even at home. Some few are chosen, but I don't think you're the type. You've got a low pain threshold, haven't you? Well, perhaps you'll come through it all. If you can get through love and the theater before you're 30, you may amount to something. Always remember, classicism is health. Romanticism is disease. <laughs> she said lots of things like that. Comedy ends in marriage, tragedy ends in death, that sort of thing. She advised me to keep a diary or journal and to record the events in the moment. She said that if I did that, when I was her age, I could look back and see what hit me. I looked up diary in the dictionary. It means lasting one day. One day at a time then. One page after another adds up to a life. My diary from that time, the early 50s, is filled with events plays, dance, books consumed, clothes bought and worn out, people known and worn thin, an endless stream of feelings pouring out about who I was or wasn't. I'm sorry to say that I burned those pages a few years later. I was afraid, so afraid someone might see how much I cared about all the men everywhere saying how it should be, how I should be. Oh, men, the real romantics, the ones who made me up, who trapped me in their imaginations. Poets, lovers, writers, fathers, brothers, teachers. I was mired in their mythos. And of course, I wanted their approval, their love. Charlotte Bronte called them the lords of creation. Whatever they are, they sure as hell seem to have things under control at the moment. They had me under control as a girl, even when I was rebelling. It was always their movie I was in. I burned my journals because it was too painful to remember the kind of fool I'd been. Something 
on the order of Tess of D'Urberville, Thomas Hardy's tragic Tess, who fled from vile seducers, had to hide in a cul-de-sac in the woods with dying birds clustered in the trees above her. Tess was my model, hiding in the woods, surrounded with wounded birds, shot by the hunters during the day, all night, while she slept in the leaves. The victims of the sportsmen bled on her, fell dead on her while she tried to sleep, in the dark. Well, at last, she kills her seducer to reclaim her honor. <laughs> or anyway, what Thomas Hardy imagined her honor to be. And the long arm of British law catches up with her at Stonehenge. Why did she flee back to that sacred place, that pre-Christian site of ancient rites. Well, it was the right instinct, but the wrong era. After they hang her, the virtuous man in the story, there's always one virtuous man, he gets her younger sister as a consolation prize. Anyway, I think it was her younger sister. Somebody pretty. Well, I've been to Stonehenge now. No refuge there. I'm done with being a sacrifice in the land of the patriarchs. And I've forgotten how to be a muse. I'm done with love for love's sake. It takes too many weeknights in the diaries I have kept. I have played, oh, so too many, all those parts. Now, now it's time to file my report. I've done my living, I've done my lying. Now I can edit the agony. Oh, a dozen pages uh, will keep. <laughs> Fall 1967 begins with an epigraph from George Sand, the famous French writer. She called herself George, and she wore trousers. <laughs> Writing a journal means that facing your ocean, you are afraid to swim across it, so you attempt to drink it, drop by drop. <laughs> oh. 1967, I run into my love in the rain, we are not lovers yet. I tell him to kiss me. It is my birthday. It's not, but I never tell the truth about trivia. Ah, 
This time we have seen the same movies. We've gone to different schools together, so the nostalgia can begin even before the pain. Fall 1967, I'm sitting before his fireplace, reading my poetry. In the grass, some small blue bones, distinct fragments of vacant lots, perfume behind the fossil where I lie, forgotten as my father's tennis balls. Oh, he yells, never mind your bizarre productions, talk sense or get out. Pours himself a drink. And then he begins to laugh. He has tattoos of black cats caught in spider webs on both his arms. This he blames on his mother. Free association, hell, he mutters. You want stream of consciousness. I'll give you stream of consciousness. I will censor now most of what he said to me because this is my book and I want to. I'll give only a few lines. Sagas use a lot of laxatives. Paranoia is belief in the devil who was not your daddy man no matter how much you wished to be his spawn. Pandora's box is a lonely erogenous zone, my own, my own sweet Martha Lorraine. Sealed in vain, sealed in vain, Pandora's box is sealed in vain, it's perfectly plain. Panic is not the fear of fire, it's the fear of passion, the fear of the great god Pan, running around, rutting the world to the ground. I tell you this, so you'll shut up about your soul, girl. I'll tell you where your soul is. You're sitting on it. You're in heat and you write some gibberish and you think I'll listen to it. <laughs> You'll be sorry when I'm dead and gone, you black-hearted bitch. Everyone agreed that he certainly acted badly at the end. October 1967. What was it he said to me last night? You've got the baby, and I've got the ball. He goes in for the D.H. Lawrence stuff. Blood coming out of the earth, that bit. Ships that clash in the night, that theory of sexual encounter. He doesn't mix up lust with love the way I do. Same old Yang Yin mess like when I want to get in touch with my primal self. I sit near the entrance to a cave on the beach. I wait for the sea to give up her dead. I wait for the tide to turn. Then I read the seaweed like tea leaves in a cup. He, on the other hand, wants to make it with the dolphin. October 1967. Little bit in italics here. Italics inside parenthesis. <laughs> Symposium in ancient Greece. The symposium was a drinking together 
with music and singing. This one's different. My children are gone for the week. We are alone and in love. We scrub each other's backs, feed each other's strawberries and lie on the floor, drink wine, gratified desire. Thirty the works. We walk out to a cafe bar to pity the loveless world. We are so knowing and so self-satisfied. Everyone is drawn to us. We are holy. They want to touch us. We don't speak often, only to confirm each other. That shared laugh of seeing through everyone we meet. <laughs> to understand is to forgive. Ah, and we say it in French, and then we forgive everyone, and when we are alone again, the gong sounds like it does at the beginning of a J. Arthur Rank film, and we are drowned in each other, and if it weren't real, it would make a swell movie. Ah, it's never been anything like this except once when I took acid, but the man I was with then was so far away. This time, he is more me than I am. And we have been here together many lifetimes before, and we are drinking each other alive. This is the moment to die. Nothing can get better. Nothing does. Halloween 1967. Italics in parenthesis. Frigidity made simple. For Christ's sake, doctor, he had his damn bonsai tree in the bathtub when I got there, and he told me to hold a paper bag for the trimmings, and when he finished filling up the bag, he sent me out to the garbage to dump the twigs and stuff, and he told me to be sure and bring back the bag. I had to fold it and put it neatly in the kitchen cupboard. That night in bed with him, I dreamt he was standing behind me in the lineup at the bank as I was trying to write out my life anyway, I think it was my life, on wooden ice cream spoons or popsicle sticks. And he pushed me out of line before I could cash them in. At breakfast, I asked him why we never went anywhere together anymore. He said, who the hell did I think I was all the time? Joan Crawford, for God's sake. And I said, I thought I was Sappho at Stonehenge. And he said, who needs it? November 1967, love like alcoholism, comes to a point of no return. A brain gently simmering in booze, 
will go soft. The fragile cells will shudder and die, burning out like matches. It's not the heart that breaks. It's the nerves, the spirit that sinks. It is the nerves which become infected with the disease of love, with the knowledge of another, and the corruption of deceit. Thought breaks the heart. I indulge myself writing notes in a drunken delirium of maudlin self-pity. Oh, you always told me I enjoyed my suffering. Well, someone should. Men bring out the masochist in me. Later, I find these notes scattered on my desk, in my purse, pinned to the walls and scribbled across the kitchen cupboards, and thus, thus begins many a female's literary career. But the material is all derivative. I write in rolls. Medea, Lilith, Desdemona, Ophelia, Camille, all writing in lipstick on my mirror. I want my own version of the burnt child reflex. I want to give a form to my suffering. I want to call the police, leave town. Of course, it's all melodrama. I'm exaggerating. I cannot make the grapes weep wine. Oh, who said it? Who said love is our failure to understand nature? I'll live through this. My epitaph. She was there, but she didn't care. Later the same November night, later and louder. Put on more records, earth a kit, purrs. Hey, Jacques, have you seen Louis? Is he still en Paris? I've tried, I can't forget. I love him yet. Hey, Jacques, tell Louis for me. It's the witching hour. Here sits the witch. Oh, witch, witch, I wonder. That old Irish one, the raven of Babel. Black goddess, yes. Aha. Biblical, yes, biblical. Jezebel heard of it, and she painted her face and tired her head and looked out at a window. Mm, Christ was a virgin, kept his nose clean, didn't fool around. Ration the wine, just another cup. Ah, good night, Mrs. Calabash, wherever you are. The wine is spilt, but the calabash is not broken. The people upstairs are banging on the floor. I yell at them. Mao, Mao, maidens from the African sand, how dare you say that 
to my mask. A stranger in a strange land belongs, if you think about it. Sensible D.H. Lawrence ladies live in their loins. Lonesome loins are a liability, Dorothy Parker said so. She also had monthly cramps and hangovers. And if I stop drinking, then tomorrow...